the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tomorrow can be bigger. Just grow, let the world overflow. Yeah. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than yourself. Hello, this is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. Today, we will hear a classic message from our archives that we believe will be a blessing to you and give you principles to live big in Christ. Let's join Bishop Greer for this classic teaching. If this truth ever takes hold in your heart, the devil is in complete trouble. Are you hearing me? Uh, It's one of these uh, truths that will absolutely transform your living. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For context's sake, we're going to begin at 16. The place of emphasis should be around verse uh, 21. But it's really important that uh, you understand the uh, framework in which verse 21 was communicated. Let me pray for you first. Father, I thank you for your word. We're hungry. We need you. We point to you. We give you honor and glory. You are the teacher of the church. So do your work to the glory of our king. In Jesus' name we pray. We all say amen. Amen. Paul is speaking. He says, for now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We do not judge people based on their race or ethnicity, their their educational level, their, their gender denomination, etc. No, we do not judge people based on flesh and blood, but all of our understandings, assertions, and insights are now given to us by and through the Spirit. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Many of the leaders in Israel expected a geopolitical leader you know, on the lines of JFK, Barack Obama, someone, uh, you know, that graduated from Harvard or Yale, a, a leader, a man's man and a leader of leaders. They expected this uh, incredibly charismatic person, probably uh, from a home of means. And uh, uh, they were very, very disappointed. Now, he says here, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. You see, at one point, Paul had his own expectations of God, and I know that uh, before I met Christ, I had my expectations, but the reality was eventually he was willing to let go of his fleshly understanding of who God was, what he would be like for the revelation that came through Jesus Christ. Verse 17, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has what? Has come. We're not just reformed, rehabilitated, or re-educated. 
We have been recreated. Did you catch that? Again, Paul was looking for a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was looking for a Harvard man, a Yale man. Are you hearing me? And when Jesus came as a blue collar worker, when Jesus came as a carpenter, when Jesus came from a town of Nazareth, they were frustrated because they didn't, he didn't meet their expectations. But you need to understand God, he takes certain pleasure in confounding the wise. You'd expect the glory of God to be in the most magnificent building in this county. But here it is in this little church that looks like a storefront. You hear what I'm saying? To the glory of the king. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Salvation not only brings something new. Is that what I just said? But subtracts everything old. He said, the old has gone and the what? New is here. And the challenge is, it's deep down in our spirit. And we have to work it into our soul, into our bodies, and the rest. And then Paul says in verse 18, all this is from God. Now, we could easily miss really what, what Paul is, is saying there, or the attitude of that statement. It's like a child waking up on, on Christmas morning. And he's not just saying all this is from God. He's saying all this is from God. All this is, is for me. The, God took the initiative to bring me all of this. The old has gone and, and new has come. All of this is for me. You have to hear his excitement in the statement. All of this. His eyes are big. He's jumping up and down. He said, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ And gave us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Our ministry is not to beat people down in the name of the Lord. How many have been to ministries like that? That's not our assignment. Our assignment is to restore, to reintegrate, to to reinstate, to reconnect people with the living God. Listen, we call sin, sin. Stay around here long enough, you'll hear that done. But my job is not the job of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit convicts. I share the truth. He does the work. So I don't beat you and I try not to badger you. I simply release the word into the hands of a loving and mighty God who knows how to deal with you. 19. All of this, this new creation, is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ And then after he did that, he gave us the same ministry that Jesus Christ established. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Now watch this. Not counting people's sins against them. Did you hear that? The purpose of the cross. We're talking about the great exchange that happened at Calvary. The purpose of the cross was for Jesus Christ to make full payment for what? Sin. Why? So God does not have to count your sins against you. What does it mean to count someone's sins against you? You did this, you did that. You did this, you did that. You did this, you did that. God is not according to... Now, is this the Holy Writ? Come on, Bishop. According to Paul, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit... He said, God's intention is not to say, you did this, you did that. You did, that is not God's mentality. That's not God's mindset. People that operate that way don't know God. 
He's given us a ministry of reconciliation, a ministry of drawing people, not counting people's faults. Is this the word? He said, not counting people's sins against them. So if God is not counting your sins against you, why are you still punishing yourself? Why are you still beating yourself up? Are you hearing me? He said, now Jesus went to the cross. Through Christ, we were reconciled. So God would not have to impute or count our sins against us. And then he says, listen, a lot of folks get the message wrong. A lot of folks preach the message, do this, do that. God will accept you. But this is the message. He said, this is the message. And he has committed to us the message of believe on Christ. Accept his finished work at Calvary by faith through grace or by grace through faith. And that alone, you can be justified with the living and holy God. And once you're made right with God in your spirit, eventually your behaviors are going to catch up. And he has committed to us the ministry of condemnation. The ministry of everyone that's not in our groups going to hell. The ministry of everyone that, that doesn't agree exactly with everything I say is condemned of God. He's committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now this term committed to us is more literally put in us. So when you get born again, God puts something in you. It's a magnet if you let God manifest it in your life. It's a ministry that draws men unto us, but they're ultimately being drawn to Christ. It's a ministry that, that you want to put your arms around people, though, 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 though they're dealing with drugs, though, though they're living with someone they're not married with, though, though, though they got a boyfriend and they're a man. It's a ministry that makes you want to put your arm around the person. Now you hate the sin, but you love the sinner. You call the sin what it is and you help the person get free. But you love them in spite of what they're doing. And he's committed to us. You see, Jesus did it first. He ate with sinners, did he not? They criticized him for it, just like they're going to criticize you and I for some of the folks that attend this church. He has committed to us. Now, literally, when you commit something, that means you actually give it over. This means if folks don't see us loving them, they're not going to see Christ loving them. As you've heard say, we're the only Bible a lot of folks going to read. He's committed to us this ministry of putting our arms around people. Now, every now and then, I put my arm around you, but I choke you a little bit because, you know, you got some issues. <laughs> but it's a loving choke. I get you in that headlock. So you better get this right. But I'm still putting my arms around you. How many ever do your children that way? Yeah. God's a good father. And he has committed to us the message of condemnation. You ain't good enough. Keep these Ten Commandments and God will accept you. He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. Then he goes on. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, representatives of the divine majesty. Any contempt toward the apostle and his message was contempt toward God. A lot of folks think they criticize me. You don't understand. I'm an ambassador of God. When you criticize me, you criticize God. Now, listen, sometimes I'm, I deserve criticism because I'm, I'm not always right. 
But here, Paul has absolute confidence. He said, listen, what I'm saying to you is absolutely spirit inspired. And he's saying, listen, if you're going to criticize me, you need to recognize you point your finger at God. He said, listen, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Now, why did he have to say this? Because a lot of religious people didn't like his message. God is not counting your sins against you. They say that's irresponsible. They say, well, well, that's reckless, Paul. If you begin to tell people that God's not counting their sins against them, people are going to feel they have a license to sin and people are going to do back. Not if you're saved. All right now. You see, this letter was not written to people playing with God. It's written to people who are really walking with God. And when you're really born again, you're not trying to live backwards. When you do wrong, there's something in your heart rising up saying, you're not right. And you're looking for all the help possible to get your mind to agree with your spirit, to get your body and your mind to line up with the heart of God, the Holy Spirit inside your living spirit. Are you hearing me? Such that you can do right. So, you know, folks... Saying that, you know what, Paul, um, and that, that, that's too good to be true. That, that's too much, Paul. You're giving people too much liberty. And, and because of that, people back up from this message. But how many know that we are assigned to preach the message of reconciliation? Anything different will not be rewarded. Even though you can manipulate people better through God going to get you, you will not receive a reward from heaven. And I, I minister not just to get results, but to get results God approves of. I'm a workman that need not or does it. God doesn't want us to be ashamed. He wants my work, our work to be approved. You know, you know what witchcraft is? It's simply trying to do the work of the spirit in your own flesh. And see, what, what happens here, and I'm just going to get real for a moment. I, I'd like to do a whole Sunday on witchcraft. Folks have tended the, the first coven of, of, of X, Y, and Z, and they come to grace, say there's too much liberty. Well, the problem is you used to your witch doctor. And you don't know your last pastor was a witch. He manipulated you. He beat you over the brow. It was all about what was, how you were seen and what people saw. And not about the heart. But you'll find more times than not, uh, Paul would say, I appeal to you as an ambassador. He had made appeals more than demands. He bese- I beseech you, brethren, in view of God's mercy. It was a call to service. Not, I'm going to get you if you don't. But listen, sometimes you had to go there. But, but it wasn't his typical a way of ministry. So, you know, because I'm not beating down every member, someone say, I'm not sure about his leadership skill. Guess what? The deal is I'm not a witch. I'm not a warlock. I'm not, I don't even try to manipulate my children. I'm bigger than both my boys. I can still whip them. Thank God for that. But listen to me. No, don't before you get too happy. Whipping my boys is not my first resort. It's the absolute last thing. You see, if I train my kids to just obey me because they're afraid of me, as soon as they get away from me and there ain't no more fear, they're going to make a mess of their lives. And many of you are not, you're not training your kids to live in your absence. You say, as long as you're in my house, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. He's like, well, I can't wait to get out of this house. And then you wonder why you got to pick them up in college. Because they've been thrown out. I'm preaching too real. Real people realize real change. So Paul continues and he kind of like has to, you know, in the midst of his, his teaching, 
he has to encourage himself in the Lord like David. He said, listen, I am speaking as though God were making his appeal through us. Notice appeal. God would much rather us make appeals, appeal to our kids' conscience, appeal to their better judgment, appeal to their better angels versus I'm going to, you, you hear me? So you have to learn to appeal to your kids because particularly single mother, eventually that child going to be bigger than you. Are you hearing me? And you must learn to appeal again to their better angels. He said, we implore you. You hear the emotion and the passion in the heart of the prophet. We implore you on Christ's what? Behalf. In other words, he said, listen, I am representing the king of kings. I'm representing the head of state. I am, I am, I'm speaking to you on behalf of God. And here's the message. As hard as it is to, to, to wrap your head about it around, God does not want to count your sins against you. That's God's heart. Now, the devil's counting the sins against you. But please also understand God is all he hasn't renounced his ability to be a just judge. You know, the, the same church that received this message from Paul is in a different geographical location, but it was the same church, the same people. Ananias and Sapphira came playing, playing with the apostle. And both he and his wife dropped dead. But I want you to watch the, and pay attention to the response of the church. Now, if that happens, someone in, in the second row or third, whatever, if they, they drop dead in here, most of the church are, oh, God, heal him, raise him up. No. <laughs> the Bible said that the, the young man came in and they just carried him out. There was no praying for resuscitation, revival, Lord, heal him. It's like, no, you deserve to die. <laughs> you see, you don't want to play with the grace of God and find yourself in the position of Ananias. I, I got to teach that to sometimes balance out some of the craziness that can come through people that mistake this message on grace. The men came and they dragged out Ananias and then they took his wife and no one prayed for him. There was no Lord help him. No, no, none of that. The church understood that that God is just. And you don't want to touch and mess with. God said, you don't want to keep playing with his grace to the point God got to deal with you. And that's what people were doing. But let's get back to the text. He said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God reached out to you from Calvary's cross. But just like a handshake is not sealed, I can stretch out my hand all I want. And God's hand is stretched out towards you. God's forgiveness, God's grace. He's saying, listen, I don't want to count my, any of your sins against you. I, 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 want you. I want you to be free in my presence. I want there to be joy and love between us. I don't want there to be any judgment, any condemnation when you're in my presence. But guess what? Just like a handshake is not sealed until the other hand stretches out, we have a part to play. On Calvary was God's outstretched hand. But you must also say, yes, I receive. Yes, I believe. Lord, I accept. I receive. I take that which you're offering me. And you squeeze the father's hand. He said, be. See, God has already released his ministry of reconciliation. He's already done what he's going to do at the cross. But now it's us. He said, I've done what I've done through Christ. Now you do what you need to do. You be what? Reconciled to God. Verse 21. 
And then it makes this, this incredible, this, this, this staggering statement. God made him who had no sin to be sin. But why? For us. Nothing Jesus did on Calvary was done for him. He was not punished for his own sins or any mistakes he made. Everything done on Calvary was for you and I. God made, who did this? God did this. Him who had no sin, he had never sinned. He made him to be sin for us so that in him, he made him sin. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Now, the term translated sin here was first used by Aristotle. And it comes from the imagery of an archer shooting at a mark, a target, a bullseye. And yesterday, as I was praying, preparing for today's message, I said, Lord, I I know, well, at least I, I think I know in my head what the term sin means. It means to miss the mark. Father, I I really don't think I've grabbed, I I don't, I don't think I really understand what sin means because that sounds so innocent. All it means is you missed. Oops, I made a little mistake. I, I went a little bit to the right or left. And it sounds quite, quite harmless. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me. And, and I, I felt like he was saying, actually not felt, that's wrong. He was saying to me, sin is never neutral. Are you hearing me? Sin not only misses a mark, it hits another. It's never neutral. You see, sin misses the enemy, but it hits your brother. See, I had the imagery of an archer shooting, and all he did was kind of hit the ground somewhere. No, no, no. When you miss the mark, you, 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 you void or you hurt something holy. Sin is never innocent. There's always harm and injury that comes. And then from that, I begin to say, ah, I think I understand a little bit about this term, hamartia, in the Greek I want you to picture Jesus on Calvary's cross. We're talking about the great exchange. I want you to imagine every arrow, every poison arrow, every fiery flaming arrow ever shot throughout history, starting with Adams, agreed upon by every other human being that had ever lived. All of them shot high into the air, and Jesus was hung high. And each of those poison arrows struck Jesus. And with poison arrows, it's not just the arrow, it's the poison or the drug in the arrow that more quickly kills the individual. He who knew no sin became sin. You need to get the imagery of a person who had never taken drugs, who had never received any poison in his body. He hung on the cross and then suddenly all the poison of humanity whirled from, from the beginning to that point and, and, I, and actually from, from every poison that would ever be shot hit Jesus and the poison hits his system. In every moment of rage, anger, condemnation, guilt, shame, every feeling of disgrace, he felt it in his system. And he hangs on that cross. It said he became sin. He wasn't just hit with it, that the, the, the poison, and it hit his system, and it hit his soul. And it's amazing that he could still speak coherently from Calvary's cross and still speak love. You got to see the transcendence of his, 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 his holiness here. Even in the midst 
I, 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 don't, I, I can't. That's just too much. But all those arrows, boom, and he's there. He takes it. Then the poison starts taking effect. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken? He feels the poison. And God sees all the disgrace, all the shame, all the filth, and he turns his back. He who knew no sin, listen, if you've been taking heroin or heroin for a while, it takes a whole lot of heroin to have the same effect. Jesus had never taken any sin, but he had doses that would choke heroin addicts. I mean, people who have artfully sinned generation after generation, their daddies, their granddaddies, they've passed down sin. All of that hit him as one who had never, ever partaken, never had a monkey on his back. You hear what I'm saying? And he absorbed that in himself. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Listen. All the bad that we deserved came on Jesus. But all the good that Jesus deserved came on us. Thank you for joining us today. Tune in again next time as we continue this classic teaching with Bishop Greer. It is our sincere prayer that you are blessed and empowered to live a life bigger than yourself today. If you want to know more about becoming a Christian or want to rededicate your life to Christ, Bishop Greer wants to walk you through a step-by-step guide. It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Visit gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at GraceChurchVATV. And while you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's all for today. Until next time, live big. It's with the help of folks like yourself that Derek Rear Ministries can bring God's life-changing and impactful gospel to over 100,000 people around the world each week. Please consider partnering with Derek Rear Ministries to help spread God's message even further via radio, television, and the internet. Getting started is easy. Go to DerekGreer.com. That's DerekGreer.com. And select the green Donate button at the top right of the screen. Thank you and God bless. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com